Hello and welcome to episode 413 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. It is my pleasure to be with you this morning. My name is Terrence M. Stanton. We are recording on Tuesday, January 17th, 2023, in the year of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us begin by honoring Our Lady with the Tuesday prayer to the Blessed Virgin Mary to obtain a good death. And these prayers, once again, were composed by the wonderful saint and doctor of the church, Alphonsus Liguri. O Mary, how shall I die? Even now that I think of my sins and of that decisive moment on which my salvation or eternal damnation depends, of that moment in which I must expire and be judged, I tremble and am confounded. O my most sweet mother, my hopes are in the blood of Jesus Christ and in thy intercession. O comfortress of the afflicted, do not then abandon me. Cease not to console me in that moment of so great affliction. If I am now so tormented by remorse for sins committed, the uncertainty of pardon, the danger of relapse, and the rigor of divine justice, what will become of me then? Unless thou helpest me, I shall be lost. Ah, my lady, before death obtain me great sorrow for my sins through amendment and fidelity to God during the remainder of my life. Excuse me, thorough amendment and fidelity to God during the remainder of my life. And when my last moment arrives, O Mary, my hope, help me in the great distress in which I shall then be. Encourage me that I may not despair at the sight of my sins, which the devil will place before me. Obtain that I may then invoke thee more frequently, so that I may expire with thy most sweet name and that of thy beloved son on my lips. Nay, more, my lady, but forgive my boldness. Before I expire, do thou come thyself and comfort me with thy presence. Thou hast granted this favor to so many of thy devout servants. I also desire and hope it. I am a sinner, it is true. I do not deserve so great a favor, but I am thy servant. Love thee and have full confidence in thee. O Mary, I shall expect thee. Do not disappoint me of this consolation. At least if I am not worthy of so great a favor, do thou help me from heaven, that I may leave this life loving God and thee, to love thee eternally in paradise. May all the arrows that I speak be so many arrows dipped in the blood of thy sacred heart, O Jesus, to pierce the hearts of all who hear them. With love for thee, amen. We're going to take a look today, my friends, at an article from 1peter5.com. It was published today, January 17th. Forgotten Customs of the Octave of Christian Unity by Mr. Matthew Pleasy. That's P-L-E-S-E. He begins with a quote from scripture, John 17, 21. That all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. Known as the octave of Christian unity, as well as the chair of the octave of Christian unity, this period of time, which lasts from January 18th through January 25th, has been virtually forgotten, even while it is kept as a more informal week of Christian unity in the modern church. Sadly, the aftermath of Vatican II has obscured the primary purpose of this octave, to pray and work for the conversion of those outside of the true faith, i.e. the Catholic faith, from Episcopalian beginnings to Catholic unity. In 1898, 
Lewis Thomas Watson would establish the Society of the Atonement, an Episcopalian religious community whose purpose would be to bring the Franciscan life to the Anglican Church. Working with Lorraine Mary White, they would eventually, in 1909, convert to the Catholic faith after having preached the primacy of the Roman pontiff for several years. In fact, the Vatican took at that time an unprecedented step to accept the members of their society as a corporate body, allowing the friars and sisters to remain in their way of life. Father Paul Watson, as he was then known, would continue to labor for the Franciscan Franciscan friars of the atonement and for Christian unity until his death on February 8, 1940. The same is true of Mother Lorana, who would labor for this purpose until her death on April 15, 1935, at age 65. A lasting legacy of their work is the establishment of the Octave of Christian Unity, observed each January since first established by Father Watson in 1908. The Intentions for the Octave of Christian Unity While we do pray for the conversion of all who are separated from the unity of the true faith at this time, the Church does denote a special focus on certain days to certain particular groups. The traditional delineation is as follows, and we're going to be praying for these intentions on the Our Lady of Fatima podcast in the coming days. 18 January, the union of all Christians in the one true faith and in the church. 19 January, the return of separated Eastern Christians to communion with the Holy See. 20 January, the reconciliation of Anglicans with the Holy See. 21 January, the reconciliation of European Protestants with the Holy See. 22 January, that American Christians become one in union with the chair of Peter. 23 January, the restoration of lapsed Catholics to the sacramental life of the church. 24 January, that the Jewish people come into their inheritance in Jesus Christ. 25 January, the missionary extension of Christ's kingdom throughout the world. The Chair of Unity Octave Prayers For each day of this octave, make it a point to say this prayer. A printable version can be found here, and a hyperlink is included. That they all may be one as thou, Father, in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. I say to thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, who didst say to thine apostles, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Look not upon my sins, but upon the faith of thy church, and vouchsafe unto her the peace and unity which is agreeable to thy will, who livest and reignest God forever and ever. Amen. This prayer has been blessed with indulgences issued by the Holy See, specifically a plenary indulgence on the usual conditions at the end of the octave of prayers for the unity of the church from January 18th to January 25th. For those of us who pray the divine office, this can easily be added at the end of our prayers. For those who do not, we can print out this prayer and say it each morning before mass or at least during our morning prayers at home. In addition to this prayer, we can spend extra time praying for the conversion of various groups. The following prayers can be a great aid 
to that as they are all taken from official Catholic sources and express the traditional missionary yearnings of Holy Mother Church. And there are several hyperlinks that are listed. Prayer for pagans, prayer for Jews, prayer for Muslims, prayer for schismatic Orthodox Christians, prayer for Protestant sects, prayer for Freemasons, prayer for lapsed Catholics, prayer for Anglicans, and prayer for the true faith. The Forgotten Two Feast Days in Honor of the Chair of St. Peter A reason why this octave has become forgotten in practice among Catholics stems from the changes to the Feast of St. Peter's Chair. Traditionally, January 18th is the Feast of St. Peter's Chair at Rome, and February 22nd is St. Peter's Chair at Antioch. Pope Paul IV in 1558 instituted this feast on January 18th to confound the errors of the Protestants who sought to discredit that St. Peter actually lived and died in Rome. The two feasts were included in the Tridentine calendar with the rank of double, which Pope Clement VIII raised in 1604 to the newly invented rank of greater double. In 1960, John XXIII removed from the general Roman calendar the January 18th feast of the chair of Peter, along with seven other feast days that were second feasts of a single saint or mystery. The February 22nd celebration became a second-class feast. This calendar was incorporated in the 1962 Roman Missal. For those Catholics who follow the pre-1955 Missal in office, they will keep January 18th as the feast of St. Peter's chair at Rome. And the spiritually associated with and the spiritually associated with this day naturally lended well. I think it should be and the spirituality associated with this day naturally lended well to the octave of Christian unity. It was a fitting beginning to the octave, while the conversion of St. Paul celebrated on January twenty-fifth served as a poignant and appropriate ending to a week of prayer for those separated from the Ark of Salvation. There is no salvation outside of the Catholic Church. The Church has always taught that there is no salvation outside of the Church. Extra ecclesiam nulla salus. We are called to bring all people into the one Church of salvation, the Catholic Church. Our efforts to spread the faith are centered on saving the souls of others. This is of supreme charity. Perhaps Pope Eugene IV said it best in Cantate Domino when he unambiguously affirmed, The Most Holy Roman Church firmly believes, professes, and preaches that none of those existing outside the Catholic Church, not only pagans, but also Jews and heretics and schismatics, can have a share in it in life eternal, but that they will go into the eternal fire, which was prepared for the devil and his angels, unless before death they are joined with her. And that so important is the unity of this ecclesiastical body that only those remaining within this unity can profit by the sacraments of the church unto salvation. And they alone can receive an eternal recompense for their fasts, their almsgivings, their other works of Christian piety and the duties of a Christian soldier. No one, let his almsgiving be as great as it may. No one, even if he pours out his blood for the name of Christ, can be saved unless he remain within the bosom and the unity of the Catholic Church. Year-round efforts for the propagation of the faith. Hence, rediscovering these customs is essential to countering the false ecumenism of our era. 
make it a point to pray the prayers of Christian unity between January 18 and January 25th, in addition to offering other prayers for groups separated from the faith. We would do well to request priests to offer masses for this intention and to offer rosaries for those separated from Catholic unity, including those who have fallen away from regular sacramental life. In fact, the Church has attached indulgences in the Recolta to pious practices for the propagation of the faith. We should make it a point to do so throughout the year. So ends the article. Mr. Pleasy brings up a great point. This false sense of ecumenism, which has run roughshod since Vatican II. We can't hold each other arm in arm, call each other brother and say, I'm okay, you okay, you're okay. You can be a Southern Baptist. You can be a Mormon. You can be a Jehovah's Witness. You can be a Jew. You can be a Muslim. You just, you know, do whatever feels good to you. No, absolutely not. There is only one true religion. And it is the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Remember those four marks of the church. The Catholic church is one. There are over 40,000 Protestant denominations. Sunni Islam, Shiite Islam, all these other types of Islam. Uh, Rabbinic Judaism, Reformed Judaism, uh, Liberal Judaism. All these other different religions are fractured. There's only one Catholic Church. The Catholic Church is holy. That's the second mark of the one true faith. The Catholic religion was founded by the second person of the Most Holy Trinity, the God-man, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. No other religion can make that claim. The third mark of the church, it's Catholic. Going back to the Greek, Catholicos, meaning universal, which is why getting back to the uh, universality of the traditional Latin mass and the Roman rite is very important. If you go to the traditional Latin mass, in Paris, France, it would be the same as in Los Angeles, California, or Johannesburg, South Africa, or Tokyo, Japan. We need to get back to the unity of the traditional Latin Mass. Unfortunately, um, the traditional Latin Mass is under so much persecution. Nonetheless, the doctrines and the dogmas of the faith have never changed. We see this especially on the issue of intrinsically evil methods of contraception. The Anglican Communion at the Lambeth Conference in 1930, they were deciding morality based on a vote, always a bad thing. Popular opinion and popular vote for deciding crucial moral questions. In 1930, they said, well, okay, uh, married couples, in, in certain circumstances, you can now use various forms of contraception. All the other Protestant denominations fell into line, embracing the evil of contraception. And of course, in the 1960s, you have the birth control pill. I often wonder if the nuclear bombs or the birth control pill is the worst invention of all time. Probably 1A and 1B. They're both horrendous. The birth control pill uh, becomes legalized, becomes popularized in the 1960s, and then you have rampant uh, divorce, no-fault divorce laws, 
acceptance of fornication and pornography and adultery and abortion and homosexuality, transgenderism, and on and on and on. We can only return to a decent society if we return to a moral society. And we think about that third mark of the church, Catholic, universal. The Catholic church, despite what unfortunately some wayward bishops, priests, and laymen want, has never changed its teaching on contraception and will never change its teaching on anything. The divinity of Christ, marriage, all seven of the sacraments and what those mean, nothing. Catholic Church has never and will never change any one of its doctrines and dogmas. Get yourself a good catechism, like the Catechism of the Council of Trent, uh, the Catechism Explained, available from Mediatrix Press, published initially by uh, Father Sparago in 1899. It's a great explanation of the Catechism of the Council of Trent. There's so much nonsense. There's so, many, so much garbage being taught, unfortunately, by many bishops and priests. But you know the truth. Read good catechisms. Read the Holy Bible. Ask God to enlighten you in these times of darkness. But the Catholic Church in her official teachings will never change any of its doctrines and dogmas. So that's the third mark, the fact that the church's teaching is Catholic or universal. And finally, apostolic, the fourth mark of the church. The bishops that we have in the Catholic Church can trace their apostolic succession all the way back to St. Peter and the rest of the apostles who are ordained other men, who ordained other men and other men and other men right down to the current bishops of today. No other Christian group can do that. So praise be Jesus Christ for giving us the Catholic faith, the one holy Catholic and apostolic faith. Those are the four marks of the true church. And saying that one religion is as good as any other or eh, I'm not going to go to Mass on Sunday. I'm just going to kind of uh, go for a walk at the park and uh, look at the trees, look at the birds, and uh, contemplate the universe. That's fine, but go to Mass first. We have to do what God asks of us. We have no right to be here. We don't deserve to be alive. Whatever time we have on earth is his grace. And if you're still alive no matter what condition we're in, if you still have air in your lungs and you still have blood coursing through your veins, you have a purpose on this planet. The Lord has a mission for you to carry out on this earthly plane. And then when you die, hopefully, and are, are judged and hopefully go to heaven, not that I'm, I'm hopeful that you'll die, but we're, we're all gonna die and you know, hope we all live long, happy lives, but we're all going to die. And hopefully, by God's grace, we make it to heaven. And then the real fun begins because the real mission begins. We'll be able to intercede for those who are still here on earth. And our prayers will be much more efficacious than they were here on earth because we'll be united with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We'll be in the beatific vision will be finally at what we're created for. 
intimate, unimaginable love and unity with the Most Holy Trinity. So we're going to be praying these various prayers for unity, true unity, that Catholics who are away from the faith come back and non-Catholics convert. We'll be doing that over the course of uh, the next eight days beginning tomorrow on the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. Thanks once again for tuning in. I want to mention Helping Autism through Learning and Outreach located on the web at halo-soma.org. And episode 277 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast, I interview my sister and one of my wonderful nieces about RPM, Rapid Prompting Method, which is a system of communication for non-speakers. You might have heard of typing to talk or spelling to communicate. Those are other um, names for RPM, Rapid Prompting Method. It's all basically the same thing. But just as sign language was a revolutionary breakthrough for non-speakers, so RPM has been a revolutionary, excuse me, as sign language was a revolutionary breakthrough for the deaf. So um, RPM has been a revolutionary breakthrough for non-speakers. My niece has non-speaking autism. We now know because of rapid prompting method that she is basically a comprehensive genius. She has tremendous skills in mathematics and composing music and languages and all sorts of things that we never would have known if it weren't for RPM. So please share that website and that episode of Our Lady's podcast with everyone you know because Communication is a human right. And let us pray now for help and for healing for our non-speaking friends and family members. Act of Consecration to St. Joseph by St. Bernadine of Siena. O my beloved St. Joseph, adopt me as thy child. Take charge of my salvation. Watch over me day and night. Preserve me from the occasions of sin. Obtain for me purity of body. Through thy intercession with Jesus, grant me a spirit of sacrifice, humility, self-denial, burning love for Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, and a sweet and tender love for Mary, my mother. St. Joseph, be with me living, be with me dying, and obtain for me a favorable judgment from Jesus, my merciful Savior. Amen. Almighty and eternal God, healer of those who trust in you, through the intercession of St. Raphael, Archangel, hear my prayer for non-speakers and their families. In your tender mercy, restore them to spiritual and bodily health, that they may give you thanks, praise your name, and proclaim your wondrous love to all. I ask this through Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. The three Hail Marys in honor of the Immaculate Purity of Our Lady of Fatima. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tuum mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in mortis nostrae. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tuum mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in mortis nostrae. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tuum mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in mortis nostrae. Amen. By thy pure and immaculate conception, O Mary, obtain for me the conversion of Russia, Spain, Portugal, Europe, the United States of America, Canada, and the whole world. 
and a Gloria Patri for a special intention. Gloria Patri et Filio et Spiritui Sancto, Sicut in Principio et Nunc et Semper et in Secula Seculorum. Amen. Virgo Potens, Ora Pernobis, Sancti Iosef, Terra Daimonem, Ora Pernobis, Sancto Raphael Archangeli, Ora Pernobis. In nomine Patris et Fili et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Thank you once again, friends, for listening to the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. Please share Our Lady's podcast with your friends, your family, everybody you know. You can follow us on Twitter. The shows are archived there. At, at Fatima Podcast is the handle. And most importantly, please offer up prayers and sacrifices for our Catholic bishops. They need your assistance. Goodbye and God love you.